Contactless EMV payments are those that are made by waving or tapping a card on an EMV contactless terminal. And when it comes to using this method of payment, the United States is woefully behind the rest of the world. According to stats from Visa, less than 1% of face-to-face -face transactions in the U.S. are contactless EMV payments. Meanwhile, in Poland, New Zealand, the Czech Republic, and Australia, contactless EMV payments make up more than 75% face-to-face -face transactions. But it looks like the U.S. is ready to catch up to the rest of the world. In the beginning of July, Bank of America started mailing contactless cards to customers in New York, Boston, and San Francisco. Chase and Wells Fargo are also getting in the game, sending contactless cards to new customers as well as existing customers when their current card expires. So, does all this activity signal the beginning of the contactless boom in this country? We asked CSI's Director of Payment Services what he thinks, and he said, Basically, 2019 is the year of the contactless rollout, um, and it's something that all financial institutions are eventually going to want. I'm Andy Goldstein. And I'm Laura Sewell. We're excited to explore the future of contactless EMV payments with you on this episode of FinTech Focus from CSI. Our guest today stopped by FinTech Focus a few months ago to educate us on tokenization and how the Internet of Things is shaping the future of payments. After you finish this episode, I highly recommend you dive into our feed and give that episode a listen as well. It's really, really informative. So please welcome Matt Heron, CSI's Director of Payment Services and friend of the pod. Matt, great to have you back on FinTech Focus. Thanks for talking with us. Hey, thanks for having me. It should be established at the top that there is a difference between contactless payments and contactless EMV payments. Can you walk us through what that difference is? Sure. So uh, traditional contactless, uh, officially known as MSD, which uh, stands for Magnetic Stripe Data Contactless, uh, uses static information, uh, essentially data similar to what's on the magnetic stripe of the card. Uh, that can, if stolen, be used again in the future to perpetrate fraud. So that differs from EMV contactless, and that EMV contactless, on the other hand, uh, leverages dynamic cryptography. Um, this essentially makes the data useless to steal uh, because it's only good at that moment in time for that transaction uh, due to its dynamic nature and, and can't be used going forward. Can you delve a little bit more into the security of contactless EMV compared to uh, other payment methods? Sure. So um, the the standard you know magstripe has uh, essentially no security um, by today's standards uh, we you know have track data um, you know there's there's CVV values but uh, for all intents and purposes the data is static um, that means that if, if you use a transaction at, at merchant a or make a transaction at, at merchant a uh, the Merchant B uh, receives the same information. Um, the problem with that is, from a security perspective, is that if Merchant A has a compromise uh, and an unauthorized individual were to, you know, steal that information, um, they could then take that information and go to Merchant C uh, and and essentially pretend to be you uh, and and make purchases. Uh, that's that's what we were trying to solve with with EMP. Um, so traditionally, you know, and this is traditionally uh, in the U.S. being like three years, um, but, you know, internationally, EMV has been around for a while. Um, what we're doing is injecting dynamic data uh, through cryptography, uh, essentially making uh, each transaction unique. And so that if, if there is some sort of compromise, uh, 
you know, merchant A has a problem, uh, the data that merchant A was given can't be taken to merchant C uh, to make purchases. Uh, what contactless EMV really is, is, is it's just a shift change of the transmission of data. Uh, so contactless EMV is also known as dual interface okay. uh, because it, it can be both inserted or tapped. Uh, traditional, and again, I put traditional in quotes, uh, EMV is, is contact only. So it's a chip transaction where the card is inserted uh, and a contact plate actually physically comes into contact with uh, the chip right. uh, to transmit data. Uh, and so that is, um, you know, not the best experience uh, when it comes down to it. Uh, customers have been long, you know, especially in the United States, spoiled with uh, a very quick, easy uh, swipe experience at the terminal. Uh, and so contact EMV, while incredibly secure, uh, unfortunately leaves a lot to be desired from a checkout experience perspective. You know, we're talking about security. You might as well continue that discussion. What's the relationship between tokenization and contactless EMV? Are they the same? Do they, do they, uh, help each other out? So tokenization is really more about, uh, the card not present space. Um, it's about taking static credentials, um, you know, numbers you type into a website when you go to checkout online and uh, removing that from the equation. So tokenization is, is, is really a, a, a complex, you know, there's multiple versions of tokenization that, that can be used, um, you know, device tokenization, cloud tokenization, um, card on file tokenization. Um, there's a lot of, of, methods of, of leveraging tokenization, but the primary goal of tokenization is, is really for the for the, the card not present space. Um, there are digital wallets that leverage tokenization that can be used both in the card not present as well as face-to-face -face, um, experience, so they're kind of dual purpose in, in, in that regard. Uh, but tokenization really is is about swapping out you know the funding pan uh, and replacing that with a a what is essentially a dynamic uh, value uh, in order to get static data out of that space. Uh, the the digital wallets essentially make a EMV like transaction. They they are EMV contactless EMV in nature. Uh, so that so it's not just a token that's being presented, but it's also the cryptography um, that that would be in a, a physical contactless card. Uh, really, it's just um, a different form factor in in terms of digital wallet versus you know a traditional card a piece of plastic. You're listening to FinTech Focus. We're discussing contactless EMV payments with Matt Heron, CSI's Director of Payment Services. So, Matt, in order to illustrate uh, EMV contactless payments, can you talk about any use cases? How? What's What's a, a good way to illustrate? Are there industries that are using uh, contactless EMV more than others? Or sure. So, um, the use cases are essentially all purchases, um, but but better. Uh, we've essentially secured the face to face channel with EMV. Uh, but the experience leaves a lot to be desired. Mm -hmm. uh, the main goal, you know, for financial institutions should be capturing the cash market. Um, roughly 60% of ca transactions under $10 are cash today in the United States. 40% uh, of transactions in the $10 to $25 range uh, are are similarly cash based. Uh, that's a really big opportunity to start capturing more of those transactions with 
contactless cards. Uh, simplifying the checkout experience for customers, you know, speeding up the checkout process, um, and for financial institutions, ultimately generating interchange revenue. So, um, you know, the UK, Canada, Australia, uh, these are places where, you know, we've seen the, the kind of explosion uh, in recent years of, of contactless. Um, you know, we've already seen that cash capture rate uh, decrease. Um, three of the most interesting examples, like I mentioned, are, are Canada, the UK, and Australia. Uh, they're similar markets as the United States. Uh, they're moderately large and, and fairly complex. Um, and they've been living with contactless cards for uh, several years now. Uh, Australia actually sees about 90% of their face-to-face transactions run contactlessly, uh, with Canada and the UK approaching 60% of their face-to-face transactions. So, you know, not surprisingly, Australia has seen about a 16% decline in cash usage over the last five years. Um, the UK saw a 9% drop in roughly the same time frame. Uh, Canada, since 2008, has actually seen approximately one third fewer cash transactions on face-to-face purchases. So, you know, that's huge. Uh, again, for speed of checkout from a merchant perspective and lowering lowering their operating costs due to, you know, security and cash management, um, better consumer experience uh, for the average customers, uh, and then ultimately the revenue opportunity for banks. You know, essentially everyone's better off by this. Yeah, so uh, those seem like very high adoption rates. What does the adoption rate for contactless EMV payments look like in the United States at the moment? So today it's about 1%. Um, low. Why is it so low? <laughs> um, you know, ultimately the digital wallets are, are the only form factor. Um, you know, very few issuers are in market with contactless cards. I think there's some, some premium, uh, American express cards. Uh, you know, there's a handful of credit products that, that some of the larger financial institutions have, have already started to roll out. Um, but you know, basically 2019 is the year of the contactless rollout. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the major financial institutions are, you know, really underway this summer. Uh, they're on their, on their credit portfolios. Um, with debit portfolios being kind of, you know, November, December, January of this year and into next. So, you know, this is uh, going to change drastically over the next year. Why do you um, think it hasn't yet? Is it, a, is it a mentality thing? Like what kind of led to the boom in Australia and Europe versus our slow adoption here? So they started with, with contact EMV sooner. Okay. Uh, and ultimately had the same experiential problems that we did. Uh, and, and ultimately that led to a desire for, you know, to speed up that transaction time. Uh, the, the, you know, the, the basic rule of thumb is a, a, a contact EMV transaction where the card is inserted is going to take anywhere from five to 10 seconds to, to process on okay. average. Uh, there's ways of speeding that up with, with quick chip, but that's going to depend on the merchant's deployment and, you know, supporting it and whatnot. Uh, contactless, whereas, you know, contactless universally, it's going to be about half a second. So, you know, again, on par with MagStripe swiping the card. Uh, so it's, it's really, you know, kind of the ecosystem needs to be able to accept dynamic cryptography and values and, and work with EMV first, uh, before they can then address the experience of checkout and improving on the speed. And essentially presenting those same credentials and that same level of security in a quicker, you know, tap okay. instead of a dick. So did the implementation of uh, chip card payments uh, a few years ago in this country, did it 
did it prepare our payment infrastructure for accepting contactless EMV payments? Or is there some sort of huge uh, infrastructure overhaul necessary to increase the adoption rate? And in, in to I know that you said 2019 is the year of contactless. So I guess I'm asking what kind of work needs to be put into our infrastructure to get that going? Sure. So um, the, the transition to, to contact EMV, you know, just standard EMV was an absolute necessity. Uh, it was an unfortunate one. Uh, personally, I would have I would have loved to have gone straight to contactless. Mm-hmm. Um, but simply put, the, the market wasn't ready uh, in the U.S. So transitioning to EMV, though, had the benefits largely because of the, the terminals. So the terminals that merchants rolled out as a part of, of the EMV uh, fraud liability shift uh, largely shipped with contactless enablement. So they were rushing through trying to, you know, get just standard EMV uh, supported uh, so that they weren't liable for fraud. Right. Uh, but at the same time, they had the, the terminals technologically had the capability of doing contactless. So, you know, many of them did it right then and there. Uh, many of them have gone back to do it because, again, they've got the terminals capable of doing it. Um, there were a few... Um, you know, merchant consortiums that had kind of other plans. They had dreams of, of disrupting cards and going straight to kind of proprietary, you know, payment methods through their digital apps. Uh, those have largely fallen flat, um, and they subsequently turned on their contact list because of of, of the experience uh, of or improved experience. So. You know, this is something that today, um, most estimates we've seen, you know, from from Visa and Mastercard estimate that somewhere between sixty and seventy percent of terminals today uh, have contactless capability in the United States. Uh, and and the most the the really interesting thing is, um, you know, over ninety five percent of new terminals that are being, are being shipped today uh, to merchants have contactless enabled. So, you know, this is essentially a problem that solves itself, you know, very quickly over time. You're listening to FinTech Focus. We're discussing how contactless EMV payments will benefit banks in this country with Matt Heron, CSI's Director of Payment Services. Matt, we've talked a lot about how um, these payments can enrich the customer experience, the ease of use, the speed, the convenience. Um, what about generating revenue for banks. Tell us how how that comes into play. How do banks earn sure. more money with this? Sure. So, um, you know, I, I touched on the, the cash capture aspect and the cash capture is, is really the primary goal. Um, you know, this is actually an area where all of the, the card brands and, and all of the banks are kind of uh, essentially not competing against one another. Uh, they've said they've, they've, they've kind of embraced the fact that there's a huge opportunity to just get more transactions running on the card rails uh, than are today. Uh, and, and, you know, we've seen that as a result of, of contactless enablement in international markets. Uh, statistically, it, it doesn't take a lot to really see a high, a high jump in revenue. Um, you know, 10% of, of cash transactions would be a, a ton, you know, we're talking millions of transactions um, that could shift to the card rails and then thus generate income for the bank. Uh, so, you know, for example, um, you know, as I mentioned, 60% of transactions under $10 are, are cash today. Uh, so these are, you know, local cups of coffee, uh, quick bite to eat, um, you know, very, 
small dollar uh, purchases that many people feel just more comfortable pulling out a $5 bill or a $10 bill. Uh, for merchants, that's a somewhat clunky experience, especially during you know high peak traffic times. Uh, making change, cash management, security of cash is, is uh, you know it's a challenge for merchants. Um, and 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 with that, you know these are small ticket items, uh, but ultimately they do add up significantly uh, in terms of revenue opportunity for for from an interchange perspective. You know just a, a five dollar purchase at a you know a quick service item, a uh, quick service, you know, restaurant, uh, would earn a bank on average, uh, uncapped bank. So a bank sub 10 billion, uh, would earn a bank about 12 to 13 cents in interchange income per transaction. Uh, and so, you know, if, if, if you're capable of capturing three, five transactions, uh, per customer more than you're capturing today that, you know, whereas they were previously pulling out cash, you know, suddenly you're earning, 60 to 80 cents more per customer and, you know, making multiplied out by thousands of customers, uh, you're making real money. When we were discussing tokenization earlier, you said that digital wallet payments are essentially contactless EMV in nature. And I think that makes sense to us, but I feel like in the average consumer's mind, there is a difference between paying for something with a card versus busting out your your phone or a smartwatch and paying for things that way. So as contactless EMV payments become more popular and more American consumers are carrying contactless EMV cards, will that uh, negatively affect the amount of digital wallet payments that are made in this country? So I don't think it'll actually decline. I think these are these are largely complementary. Okay. Uh, you know, there there is. Uh, there is a, a customer segment, um, significant percentage of the population that's simply uncomfortable with using their phones or devices. As, I'm one of them, like I, I, which is surprising. Yeah. Like you, th- I, I should have a digital wallet. I use every. Like, I think Google owns my entire life, but there's just something I still prefer a card. Sure. Yeah, and that's is, and that's that's a very common um, mentality. You know, a lot of people are basically saying, "Well, why? I have a perfectly good card in my pocket. I'm used to pulling it out, anyways." You know, what do I need a device for? What do I need a phone for to mm-hmm. do that? And and so, you know, what we're trying to do is is essentially transition those customers, um, those people who are comfortable with the, the card experience, uh, to a better card experience. Uh, you know, they, they're not quite ready for that leap to a, a full blown digital wallet or or a you know a payment wearable or something like that. Um, but ultimately over time, as they get used to the speed and convenience of contactless, you know, three, four, five years from now, uh, they may become more and more comfortable with wearables or, you know, a, a digital wallet. Uh, and so I don't think these are necessarily contradictory, uh, or, or, you know, competing, uh, solutions. I think these are largely complementary solutions that essentially address the same need based on, individual consumer tastes and preferences. Yeah, that's an interesting take. And I, I think you just described me. I, I think having a, a, a smooth, faster ex- payment experience with a card, yeah, it, it, it does seem like a natural transition into a digital wallet. And I think it would help dinosaurs like me Although I think Laura's still writing checks at the supermarket, so I do. I did one the other day. <laughs> oh man, we got to get her on board fast. But one of those people, oh, that's a mess. <laughs> you should have seen the line behind me. 
Yeah, it's, this isn't something that's exclusive to the young. Um, you know, there's there's many older individuals that like new things and, you know, they embrace change. Um, they like the ease of use once they try it. Um, but, yeah, for some, it's just not what they want yet. And and the goal is to essentially improve upon all areas that people are, are you know, still loyal to. So, Matt, what are um, – for, for banks who are wanting to get ready for the – for the next step, uh, offering it to their customers, what are their action items at this point? You know, today, uh, I mean, they really need to assess their appetite. Um, this is not a, a small endeavor, um, you know, as, as any bank that went through EMV uh, and transitioned to EMV uh, knows. Uh, but at the same time, this isn't going to be something that they necessarily need to pull the trigger and, and do all at once. Uh, whereas EMV, there's you know, traditional contact EMV had a lot of benefits from a fraud perspective. Um, you know, significant decline in in fraud losses uh, as a result of of converting your entire card base to EMV. Uh, contact we can be a little more, you know, nuanced with. Uh, we can target you know some of your your mid tier customers, try to get them to the the top tier. Um, you're going to potentially have customers demanding, you know, and, and really wanting contactless cards, especially once uh, the 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 major mega banks start rolling this out uh, end of the year, uh, and so you know right now this is just about understanding and having a strategy. You know this isn't just doing something for the sake of doing it. Um, this is you know with intent. They should have uh, a real strategy of, of a customer segment that they're trying to address um, and goals that they that they want to achieve with it. Um, you know a lot of the questions that you know we're hearing is, is pricing. Um, particularly around the, the cost of plastics. Uh, costs are always going to be a concern for banks. Um, you know, the cost of a basic single interface AMV chip card was much higher than the traditional Magstripe only card. Uh, it was an adjustment for everyone. Um, but over the last few years, those prices have started to come down. You know, the same thing will likely happen with, with contactless. Um, the basic rule of thumb from my opinion, you know, is, is I'd say that the dual interface contactless EMV card is going to cost roughly double what a single interface EMV card costs uh, based on ordering similar volumes. So, you know, it's an investment for sure, um, but one that ultimately we think will pay off in capturing higher volumes of transactions and, you know, eventually resulting in the additional revenue uh, for banks. You recently hosted a, a webinar diving into the, the many facets of contactless EMV, which you can find on demand on our website at csiweb.com. And you're getting ready to host another webinar for us on August 22nd, diving more into the implementation of this. As you've prepared and, and as you've gone on, on your many speaking engagements with financial institutions and, and everything that you do, in addition to pricing, and that does sound like a, a big hurdle that a lot of financial institutions are sort of wrestling with overcoming. What are some of the other questions you've been getting about offering contactless EMV? Sure. So, you know, I'd say apart from pricing, um, the number one concern is, you know, whether or not contactless is, is applicable to their market. Mm -hmm. uh, they see public transportation networks, you know, subways, buses, et cetera, and the value that it provides there uh, and not needing to buy a rail pass or, you know, the subway ticket uh, in these major metro areas. Um, but, you know, and a lot of times they just don't think that it's as relevant to a suburban or, or rural demographic. Um, 
the important point here, though, is is that this is going to be everywhere. You know, merchants are rolling this out in all areas. Uh, they're not, you know, picking only target locations in major metropolitan areas. They're rolling this out at every target. You know, grocery stores, Kroger is not rolling this out at, at a single location. They're going to start rolling this out everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is going to be something that, you know, you've got some some hesitant parties. Uh, we've got one major big box retailer that, uh, you know, rhymes with small mark uh, that is uh, <laughs> hesitant. They have their own payment strategy. They've tried decided to try to pursue uh, through their mobile app. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the vast majority of retailers, you know, this is a technology that, that is already deployed, um, you know, both metro areas as well as suburban and, and rural markets. So, you know, really consumers everywhere are similarly concerned with speed and convenience. You know, speed and convenience is not exclusive to, to urban markets or major metro areas. Absolutely. Um, and, and likewise, the security that EMV provides, you know, that's a, a critical piece uh, for customers. They expect their information to be secure. Uh, and, and so, you know, this isn't unique to any one place or demographic. Um, and it's something that all financial institutions are eventually going to want. Um, I would say perhaps maybe not today, um, but relatively soon. You know, in the next year or two, uh, this is definitely something that I think all financial institutions are, are it should at least be paying attention to closely today. Um, because in the next year or two, uh, this is probably going to become part of their strategy. So as you mentioned at the uh, the top of part one of the contactless EMV webinar, I remember you saying that we've experienced a lot of change in this industry in terms of just rapid advancements in uh, the ability to take payments. And we're not slowing down anytime soon. And I, I think what you've told us affirms that. I mean, 2019 is the year of contactless EMV. It sounds like the infrastructure is in place. It's obviously popular around the rest of the world. And it sounds like this is the year that we're really going to sink our teeth into this as a nation. And uh, we really appreciate you coming on and, and talking about this and educating us. Absolutely. Anytime. That's it for this week's episode of FinTech Focus. Thanks again to Matt Heron for talking with us. And we appreciate all of you for listening. To learn more from Matt, make sure to attend part two of our contactless EMV webinar series. Visit the resources section of csiweb.com to register for free. While you're there, you can also watch part one on demand. But why stop at webinars? You can enjoy all previous episodes of this podcast on our website or wherever you download your podcasts. We'll be back soon with another episode. But until then, get the latest from CSI on Twitter at CSI Solutions or on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash CSI Solutions. And we'll see you next time.